Mind if I name drop right at the beginning of the show? Uh, drop away. I got high with the drummer on the song you were just playing. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I did. Moshe. Whoa. Awesome dude. Very awesome dude. I think when I met him, he was in his late 70s, I think, mid 70s, and he was still playing. Uh, his weed or yours? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? When you get that opportunity, you do not pass up the opportunity to smoke Moshe's weed. Live from the Nightmare of Want, this is hell today on This Is Hell. We are continuing our series of reports from correspondents, contributors, past guests, and maybe some people who've never been on our show before to find out what the coronavirus pandemic is like, what it's like where they are, what's happening in their community, and within their own lives during this age of the virus. Last week, we talked to one of our correspondents, Dave Buchan, our man in San Juan, who has been reporting on what is happening in Puerto Rico for our show since back in the last century. You can find last week's conversation with Dave and all of our conversations with him over the last five years posted at our site right now. That's thisishell.com. This week, we're featuring another one of our longtime correspondents, Todd Williams, who is an American expat living in Budapest and has been telling us what his life is like in Hungary for a very long time. I think also dating back to to the past century as well. If you don't know what's happening in Hungary right now, their very far right-wing Prime Minister Viktor Orban has been given sweeping powers by the parliament, which was dominated by his political party. Despite over 100,000 signatures on petitions demanding the parliament not vote on giving that power to Orban to rule by decree, despite admonitions by the European Union and human rights activists, they went ahead and gave those powers to Orban anyway. Journalists in Hungary are freaking out, concerned they may be censored, silenced, or even arrested for writing something of which the government may disapprove. Who knew a right-wing authoritarian leader would try to take advantage of a virus to grab more power? Who knew? We'll get back in touch with Todd, whose last appearance on our show was back in January 2019 when he was telling us about the Orban government's anti-Semitic messaging during its crackdown on the George Soros-funded Central European Union or University, which has been shut down since then. Todd is an African-American from Sacramento, California, who has lived in Budapest, Hungary since 1992, mostly by chance. And of course, we'll wrap up this week, as we do most weeks, with the moment of truth from contributor Jeff Dorch. And this week, Jeff remembers existential crises in the good old days. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap tooth radio show, podcast, live stream host, Chuck Mertz, producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. Any plans for this weekend, Alex? I don't know. It's uh, starting to get real out there. I uh, took my kid to the abandoned Northwest camp- Northwestern campus yesterday to ride his little bike around. And I uh, 
it's kind of nice in the beginning because there's no one out so it was completely empty and uh things kind of felt safe and then as we moved closer to the uh the lakefront mm -hmm. and as the weather got a little bit nicer you just slowly started to see more and more people around until you kind of realized oh this is crowded and oh did someone just cough uh, it just seems like a taste of what's going to happen this spring is uh, kind of freaky. So, uh, any cops? Uh, no, but I did find a. Did you, I found a "This Is Hell" subvertising sign um, in the in like right next to WNUR? Did you put this up there? It's really weird. I posted on our Instagram. It's a combination dog waste cleanup after your dog notice and campaign sign for an alderman. It's <laughs> Did you do that? <laughs> that was Laura. <laughs> oh, it made my day to see one in the wild. It's really weird. I, I'd never, when did she do this? I must have walked by this Phone sign a million on. times. Okay. You know? Like, oh, that's the last time I've been to WNUR. Right. Right. We saw it. Uh, Laura was like, you got to put a sticker right there. Put a sticker right there right now. Um, I did see a pretty charming slice of life of 2020 spring right now um, when I was going by the big parking lot next to the Northwestern. Um, there were four, like, you know, everyone just drives SUVs now. Yeah. Like, there were four SUVs sort of parked in a diamond shape with all their trunks pointing towards each other. Okay. And four teenage girls, one sitting in each of the uh, back with the trunks open. Yeah. Just talking six feet away from each other. <laughs> uh, it was really sweet, actually. So just, <laughs> I'm just teen girls bullshitting about whatever they talk about. Uh, six feet away in their own cars, That's just true. sitting in the back, all sitting Indian leg. It was uh, pretty cute. That's pretty funny. This week's question from hell is, what are you wiping down? What are you wiping down? The person with our favorite answer to this week's question wins five. This is hell advertising stickers, so you too can subvert outdoor advertising with the words, this is hell. As we're all living in hell right now, what better time to remind others that, yes, this is hell. You can leave your answer to this week's question from hell at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio. You can direct message it to us via Twitter at thisishellradio. You can email it to either of us, chuck at thisishell.com or alex at thisishell.com. You can find This Is Hell advertising stickers at our website, thisishell.com, when you click on support, which is where you can find all our swag, including the trucker cap that Alex loves, T-shirt, tote bag, coffee mugs, and This Is Hell guide to the 21st century flash drive. And those This Is Hell advertising stickers look really good on your face mask that you will need to be wearing every time you go outside in the very near future, if not right now. So order your masks and your subvertising stickers to make certain everyone knows how you feel about this pandemic by having the words, this is hell on your mask. Alex, do you have any more of our listeners' answers to this week's question from hell? Oh yeah, we got a bunch uh, on Instagram. Question, what are you wiping down? What you wiping down? Aria H says, my hard drive, I can't get it. I can't get out that COVID-19 was my, oh, let me read that again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Aria H says, my hard drive, I can't let it get out that COVID-19 was my idea. Uh, Susan D says, my liquor store delivery. Matt S says, my bong. Maya AG says, my boxes and boxes of garden seeds that I'm buying online. <laughs> that makes sense. What you wiping down? What you wiping down? Lel Mitro says, the keyboard while my boyfriend's in the middle of gaming. Adeline says, my toilet paper. <laughs> and Trev Moody says, I'm wiping down literally my entire apartment. And then again, two days later, after it's been coated with pollen again. <laughs> Is that all the answers you got so far? That's on Instagram. I'll hit the other ones. And on Instagram, and are we This Is Hell Radio or This Is Hell? 
this is all radio. I thought so too. So you can also leave your uh, resp- reply to our question from hell on Instagram at this is hell radio. Again, you can email it to us at chuck at this is hell.com, alex at this is hell.com, tweet it to us at this is hell radio, Instagram at this is hell radio, Facebook, facebook.com slash this is hell radio. Alex will have more of your answers to this week's question from hell after today's guest, and we will reveal our favorite answer following Jeff and the moment of truth. This is God's favorite radio show. Prove us wrong. Please, for God's sake, prove us wrong. This is hell with Dr. Anthony Fauci giving us the disturbing news yesterday that the novel coronavirus very may well become cyclical and the U.S. needs to be prepared for it to return seasonally. Life under the virus entered a whole new level of hell. Yes, folks, this is not the only time we may have to deal with sheltering in place and doing everything that we are now obsessively doing to keep germs from getting into our, onto our hands, faces, clothes, and into our homes, onto our loved ones. Our lives will now be lived behind masks so the deadly air we breathe will not kill us. We now live a life of always wearing gloves, never touching anything or anyone with our own fingertips, a sense dulled by our need to stay safe from a virus. Why do we have to go through all of this? Because globalization and the massive inequality it brought with it led to wealthy people wanting to flaunt that wealth by eating an exotic, endangered species, the scales of which are supposed to make men erect and women more beautiful. Yes, globalization has been quite a deal. We were promised low-cost goods and access to seasonal food all year round, but nobody ever mentioned that as commerce moves goods, it also traffics in virus and pandemics. Now we're wiping down packages we get from Amazon because their workers went on strike as they do not have any protective gear, no face masks, no gloves, no sanitizer, at least one facility, at least at one facility, and who knows how many more. Meanwhile, Jeff Bezos, the person who owns Amazon, and Amazon went and fired the person who started the strike, and then Bezos asked us to donate to his fundraiser to save the Amazon River Basin more and more and more people are not wanting to risk going outdoors they're now depending on deliveries bad news is soon we may not have a post office fortune reported this week the u.s post postal service warns it might have to shutter by june as the two trillion dollar coronavirus stimulus package provided no additional funding for the mail service which is being strained more than ever with workers having to work harder than ever so trump the right and the Republican Party finally may get what they want, privatized mail by putting the post office out of service. Meanwhile, the Guardian reports that it's not only in the USA where religious leaders are dismissing the virus and insisting that their followers attend packed churches. The headline reads, churchgoers all over the world come to terms with physical distancing advice. It's happening here in the States, but it's also happening in the nation of Georgia, Poland, Romania, Brazil, where President Jair Bolsonaro called the virus the little flu. This has led some online to wish illness, if if not death, upon those parishioners and their leaders, which is a terrible thing to wish upon anybody. That's how messed up this virus has made us. Some people are actually wishing and hoping others will die. Thanks, religious nuts, for making us even briefly wish for your death because that makes us feel bad, but not as bad as you will likely feel 
in the very near future. Thanks to a New Yorker article this week, we now know where President Trump gets his uninformed opinions on COVID-19. Gets them from a law professor who is a conspiracy theorist. A conspiracy theorist who has been wrong time and time again, but like Trump, he simply denies he was wrong and plunges forward with his infectious wrongheadedness. According to the New Yorker, Richard A. Epstein of the Hoover Institution, of course, wrote an article titled Coronavirus Perspective, which plays down the extent of the spread and the threat, which Trump apparently read. The New Yorker explains Epstein, a professor at New York University School of Law, published the article on March 16th. In it, he questioned the World Health Organization's decision to declare the coronavirus outbreak a pandemic, said that public officials have gone overboard, and suggested that about 500 people would die from COVID-19 in the U.S. Epstein later updated his estimate to 5,000, saying that the previous number had been an error. And even this corrected number will be surpassed probably today if it hasn't been already because we're over 4,000 last night, which is twice as many deaths as we had had uh, up to last Sunday. The New Yorker continues in a follow-up article. In a follow-up article published on March 23rd and titled Coronavirus Overreaction, Epstein wrote, Progressives think they can run everyone's lives through central planning, but the state of the economy suggests otherwise. Looking at the costs the public commands have led to a crash in the stock market may only save a small fraction of the lives that we that are actually at risk. No, Mr. Conspiracy Attorney Dude, that's not progressives. That's Walmart that controls the retail world through central planning. They're the ones who want central planning, and they're making a killing. Okay. Progressives may also want central planning, too. At least there would have been a central plan for dealing with the coronavirus. But people like Trump and some lawyer conspiracy theorists having thousands of people dying because you are ideologically against a federal nationwide response to a pandemic, is that's just nothing short of inhumane. Speaking of inhumanity, the U.S. economic sanctions against Iran and Venezuela continue, which has created massive outbreaks of the virus, and Iran being one of the world's leaders in deaths from COVID-19 because, yes, they also do business with China. Luckily, there are more humane nations than the U.S., and as The Telegraph reported earlier this week, Britain, France, and Germany have bypassed U.S. sanctions to provide Iran with medical aid. That's all well and good for Iran, but what about Venezuela? Don't worry, Trump's on it. As Reuters reported Wednesday in what I had hoped was an April Fool's Day joke, but was not, the Trump administration said on Wednesday it was deploying more U.S. Navy warships and aircraft to the Caribbean to prevent drug cartels and corrupt actors like Venezuelan President Nicolas Maduro from exploiting the coronavirus epidemic to smuggle more narcotics. President Trump said he was doubling U.S. military resources in the region, including destroyers, surveillance planes, and personnel, in an anti-drug crackdown to deal with what he called a growing threat. So instead of lifting sanctions, which could save Venezuelan lives, instead of giving them the drugs they need, he sees a growing threat and the need for an anti-drug crackdown. He's implementing a military, a naval blockade to stop the flow of drugs during a pandemic. You can't get any more inhumane than that. Or can you? Apparently you can. In Turkmenistan, their leader of their nation has made it illegal to actually even utter the word coronavirus. So instead of going to your back porch, your patio, your yard, your window, to get together in a sing-along, 
where you sing some crappy, horrible song. Maybe what we need to do is every on the, every hour, on the hour, just stick our heads outside and scream at the top of our compromised lungs. This is hell coming up. We are continuing our series of reports on what is happening around the world with the coronavirus. And this time we will check in with our correspondent in Budapest, Hungary. We'll also have more of your answers to this week's question from hell. This week's question is, what are you wiping down? What are you wiping down? The person with our favorite answer this to this week's question wins five This Is Hell subvertising stickers so you too can subvert outdoor ads with the words, this is hell. And as we are all living in hell right now, what better time to remind others that, yes, this is hell. You can leave your answer to this week's question from hell at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio. You can email it to, to us at chuck at thisishell.com, alex at thisishell.com. You can tweet it to us at thisishellradio. Post it on Instagram at thisishellradio as well. We'll also have the moment of truth from Jeff Dorchin this week. Jeff remembers existential crises in the good old days, and Alex will tell you what's happening on next week's shows. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap-tooth radio show host, Chuck Mertz, producing as Alex Jerry, live from late capitalism, where the only thing that is not privately owned is our own privacy. This is hell. In Hungary, the far-right Prime Minister Viktor Orban has taken advantage of the pandemic by getting sweeping powers from a parliament dominated by his own political party, and these are powers that do not end if and when the pandemic does. Here to tell us what it's like in Budapest under the virus, Todd Williams is an African-American from Sacramento, California, who has lived in Budapest, Hungary since 1992, mostly by chance. And since, I think, 1999, he has been reporting to us here on This Is Hell. Todd, let me get to the most important question before I ask you, before I get to reports of what I've been reading about what's happening in uh, Hungary. How are you doing? How are you and your family feeling? Yeah, we're we're fine. You know, <laughs> good to talk to you. You know that, uh, so after we talk today, I have to go to the store. I got to go buy some milk and bread. And, you know, every time I come out of the house, it, it feels like, you know, I'm expecting to see zombies, like, you know, around the corner or whatever, like, you know, it, gives, it has this kind of zombie feeling, and then I just see normal people, so, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a funny feeling, so I'm kind of scared and stuff, but we're still, we're still okay. There was somebody yesterday who, it looked like they, um, the name just came for someone in our building, so, you know, that's a little, ooh, someone's in the building, maybe, but, <laughs> but, you know, we're still okay so far. So, milk and bread, so when you go to the stores, what are the shelves like in uh, Budapest? Oh, yeah, so you know, uh the you know, so the what's called panic shopping, people did it, but they did it in big stores. So my store, I mean it's less it, it has a few things less, but we so the certain kind of milk that I usually buy, it ran out, but it has run out before too. So I think they have some you know, I think they normally have some kind of production problem. That's also true for bread. But I also have a bakery below me which is still baking, you know, so I mean it's there has been people there have been people who are doing panic shopping, but um, really, it's not, you know, not. Obviously, nothing like I saw in the states. You know? That's what I was so going to ask. Ridiculous. I was going to ask you <laughs> about it's that. It's not too. like in the states. Yeah, I was going to ask you because I, yeah, oh, I, I'm wondering how much, uh, like that, has become a joke around the world about the way that the United States reacted, that uh, U.S. consumers reacted. Are there shortages of toilet paper in Hungary? Uh, not that I know of, but of course, it, so, yeah, you know how, I'm not sure you're aware just how quickly, I mean, basically, whatever you see, we see it at the same time, and people all speak enough English, you know, and all, they're all um, tapped in, the, the 
portals show stuff from, you know, they show videos from the States or whatever. People translate it immediately and all that stuff. So we know it all. And no, no, I didn't, I, I haven't seen people like stocking up on, on toilet paper or anything like that, you know, but the, the jokes are there definitely. So we, people are laughing about it. There's, you know, in my workplace, we're sharing pictures of toilet paper and stuff, but I think everyone here has it so far. So, you know, and again, that's, you know, I mean, it's a smaller country and people didn't go totally crazy. I think because they didn't really, so you didn't really feel like it was happening here. And I think it's because there was no testing. Cause you know, at the very beginning, when I started, you know, my wife's from Italy. So when, when Italy uh, really got serious and, and I work with a dude from Italy as well. So, you know, I, I heard a lot about Italy and I started looking at the maps and it was pretty suspicious at the very beginning when the outbreak was really strong already in Northern Italy, that Hungary was still gray on that map, you know, no red at all. And I was like, and also Poland and Slovakia and all of ex Yugoslavia. And I was like, you know, these guys are not reporting or they're not tested or something because this is not right. So then, then a couple of days later, then, then they started testing. It's like, Oh yeah, we have a few cases and stuff, but now the, you know, and he, and of course, of course, you know, Orban, he, he immediately tried to blame like uh, some Iranian students who were here. They, they actually did get sick though. So, but, um, and then he started talking, he just brought the whole immigration thing up again, you know, all these immigrants, you know, they really in our country, blah, 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 you know, but, but uh, nonetheless, we're, we're still okay, you know. So there was, uh, he got expanded powers this week, and I want to talk to you about that in just a second. Yeah. But prior, prior okay. to those expanded powers, prior to the coronavirus outbreak, how much were his powers already expanding? The last time we talked to you was in January of last year. That was during the uh, George Soros Central European University uh, controversy. How much have Orban's yeah. powers expanded over the last year, even prior to the coronavirus? Well, I mean, you know, he the, the situation is that they still have a full majority in the government. So, I mean, I, I talked to one of my students yesterday, and her her uh, husband is a um, is a civil rights uh, lawyer here. You know, so he's he's really tapped in, and I'm sure she's talking to him. And her attitude was, you know, it, this is just a formality. I mean, he had these powers already, and I I, I tend to agree with that, although. Although, you know, we're talking about decree now. So uh, immediately came up with, <laughs> he, he attacked uh, transgender people. So basically he introduced a law, a bill that they want to pass, which says like, you know, if you write your, your gender on any uh, official document, it has to be your gender of birth. So you can't be like using, uh, if you had a sex change, you can't be using the second gender or whatever. So that was, it's kind of funny that he did that. So maybe, I mean, he had, Incredible! He and his party have incredible powers, and no one was able to stop. Which is exactly why this decree, this this new uh, situation of him essentially being a dictator, uh, happened because they voted for it. You know, so of course he's going to be able to. And yeah, as you know, he's going to be able to just wave that around and say, you know, the majority of people voted for it. So the majority of the uh, members of parliament voted for it. So, but but yeah, I think it's just a formality. I think he had you know what essentially is full power even before this. Now. I think the difference is when he, the elections, when they're going to have elections. So how is it going to come out? Like whether he could just say, oh, we don't have any more elections ever, you know, something like that. I don't know. But you, you can imagine, you can imagine, 
if you've got full reign, if you've got full reign, I mean, he, they pass laws as much as they wanted. They changed the Constitution. You know that. So, I mean, this, this gets a formality in some people's eyes. I mean, I don't know, though. This transgender thing, I mean, that's kind of a new thing. Maybe you wouldn't have done it before. I don't know. How bad is the coronavirus in uh, uh, the outbreak in Hungary? Because I wonder if it's so bad that people were just like, I, I understand 100,000 people signed a petition saying that this bill shouldn't have even been voted on, this law shouldn't even been voted on. But uh, like you were pointing out, they already had these kind of sweeping powers. But that said, I wonder yeah. how bad the outbreak is and if that is what is leading people to maybe be more supportive of Orban because the situation has gotten out of hand. Is it? really out of hand well so i you know the numbers i've seen are still relatively no uh low so i wouldn't i'm not ready to say it's totally out of hand yet you know i don't no one i know is ill for example you know so it hasn't touched me yet at least not yet it may get obviously very worse who knows i don't know that stuff but um i think it's more that he's uh pandering to the fear you know, but again, we're talking about a vote in members in the in the parliament. So, I mean, the people who voted for it are in his party or are supporters of him. So, I mean, they have such a majority that that's why he won. And I think that everyone who is not with him voted against it. And I'm not saying that the people are supporting this either. I think this is going to be, it, you know, I said this last year too when when we talked the last time. I felt like that might be a, a time where people would come out and protest, and it was something real. It was about the labor thing, but this may be something. This this may be something where people say, you know, no, this is too much, especially as the EU starts to put pressure. Now, the thing is, you know, um, shall we get into it now? Like, you know, what, what I think about this in the future? Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so I was just going to say, like, you know, obviously there's been a lot of criticism from the EU immediately. And I uh, a, a couple of months ago, I was working with a friend of mine who wrote an article about this, and he what he was suggesting, so he's a conservative here in Hungary, and he, he's, he's been involved in politics since I, since I came here, and he's been involved in, in uh, center-right politics um, for 25 years. <clears throat> so, but now he writes articles, and this article he wrote was basically using game theory to explain how Eastern European leaders um, uh, view the EU and how they play with the EU. So his, his basic argument is, if you as the EU do not have uh, mechanisms in place to punish the members for not towing the line or, you know, in this case, like becoming a dictator, they will do it. So his idea, my, my friend's idea is that, that you've got all these Eastern European dudes who are seeing that they can, you know, so they can take the money from the EU, but then turn around and in some way kind of betray the, the EU by, you know, taking by making deals with Russia or China or the U S who in turn, according to this guy's article and his idea that who in turn then use that, you know, when they have that influence, they, they use that to try to um, influence the government here or, to, or influence policy here. So, and, and, and ultimately um, that backfires somehow for, for the government here, but it seems that that is the path that they still want to take. So basically you don't have to, the idea is you don't have to do anything really that the EU wants, but you'll still get the money, right? And so you can just do whatever you want. And as long as there is no penalty, then according to my friend, they're going to keep doing it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, it's hard to say, because I mentioned to you before that 
supposedly in 2020, the funds are going to dry up from the EU. But now with this, I mean, maybe, maybe the EU will actually do something. I mean, the Renzi in Italy was like, you know, kick them out, essentially. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, I've asked this question before, but, you know, you've got to ask, you know, when, what, will the EU do anything? And if so, when, and, and what will they do? I mean, and it seems like, at least from our perspective here in Hungary, like nothing. They're not going to do anything. And there's even a joke about that online I've read, you know, that well, people commenting and stuff. And the idea is that, you know, that you does nothing. You do what you want. So It was reported that the Council of Europe's human rights chief, Dunja Mjatovic, was very critical of the legislation to expand Orban's power. Can Do you think there can be any repercussions whatsoever from the EU? How much can Hungarians find any reassurance that... Maybe for those who are concerned about their rights that might be in jeopardy under Orban, can they find any reassurance that, hey, well, at least the EU will support our rights? Um, you know, you know, I might not be popular for saying this, but I think no. I think no, because there's the sense of the way the EU works. It just it does seem like nothing happens, you know, and it's not it, it's a it's a kind of a feeling that is spread around Europe, but since we're part of Europe, we hear that, you know, people hear it. So you, you, you see action taken, you, a small thing like changing the time. I don't know if you, you know, you announced like a couple of years ago that, oh, we're going to stop doing daylight savings time. And that was in the news for like two or three days and then it was forgotten. And, and, and the uh, result of that for me and when I heard people, it's like, oh, that's just another typical thing they do without doing anything. They just say something and then don't do it. However, I imagine that this kind of dictatorial position of Orban, I think it should be enough to make some kind of move. So I suspect, this is my own guess, but I suspect that the EU will now write up something that does, that does write up some kind of, some kind of uh, paragraph or, you know, whatever, some kind of new legislation that um, does have some stronger repercussions, some stronger penalties for when you do not, you know, follow European or follow democratic uh, principles. I, I suppose, because it's easy to see that I think now that, uh, you know, Hungary's not alone, Poland too, you know, and Slovakia, they're moving away from the EU and from EU principles. And that's becoming pretty clear now. So if you want to keep an EU together, I think you have to do something. I, I hope they don't kick us out because, you know, I'm pretty comfy here in some ways, although this now dictatorship thing makes me worry because, you know, when's you going to start kicking foreigners? I don't know. But, uh, but you know, um, I would like to be in the EU, to even travel around, I'd like to go to places, etc. And, you know, I mean, this, this could be the outcome, you know, that finally they say, hey, you know, no, you're out. Do you think that the virus could mean the end of the EU? How much of a threat do you think the virus is to the EU? You know, I mean, so there's the whole change in how we go to school because everyone's schooling at home. You know, Facebook and Skype are, were in place, you know, so you can do that. Um, whether whether countries will try to use this, no, I, you know, I think the EU is about the money, right? So you're on one end or the other. You're on a receiving end or, or a, when I say that, what I mean is like you're either a big country or a small country. Small countries benefit from, um, you know, job creation. That's usually the case. You know, so big, uh, big companies come in and they 
you know, they open factories. That's what's going on here in Hungary. And they, they often compete about where they're going to open. So, you know, in, are they going to open in Slovakia or Southern Poland or, or Eastern Hungary or whatever. So there's, there's that. And I think uh, essentially Serbia and Croatia and stuff will soon be part of it. But, and, and you say, so there's some kind of benefit there, but you can criticize that as well. And I think on the other end, yeah, you're, you're getting, good cheap labor. I think that's a big, a big draw for some of the countries, especially Germany. You know, you come here and you can have technically trained uh, employees, but you know, you can pay them less. It's definitely still lower cost of living here. Whether the COVID thing will break EU up, you know, I don't know. I think there's too many, I think there's too many variables, but I imagine that there's too much dependence on each other, you know, that, so I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it will, or or if it does, it'll be east and west. It'll go right back to east and west. But if it, if that happens, then you're gonna wonder again, you know, because those countries, I don't know if they can make a coalition, you know, kind of a so a Poland. I, I think the Czech wouldn't be in it. So I would imagine Poland, Slovakia, and Hungary, maybe Bulgaria. I don't know. You know, trying to make some sort of little block. But you know, I don't know if they're economically strong enough to do it. Uh, over against the the rest of the Western EU, so you know, it's a, again, it's a question that it, it, that's now being raised. So that's that's one scary thing, right? That you know, ten years ago there was no question about whether the EU was going to last, but now even an illness can be a reason for us to think about whether hmm, is this union going to go on, or, or are we just going to go our separate ways? And to be talking like I'm Hungarian. <laughs> You were mentioning how uh, Viktor Orban is spreading fear. Here in the U.S., tr- the way that Trump's handlers have tried to explain away all the mistakes that he made in downplaying the virus and the pandemic is that he was just trying to spread hope. His mistake was he was just trying to make people more hopeful than he is. Is Orban more than trying to make people hopeful? Is he just stoking fear? Is he just trying to make the virus out to be worse than it is so he can get expanded powers? So I'll I'll be honest that I haven't seen any of his uh, speeches or anything, any of his comments on it. So, you know, so you have to take this with a grain of salt. But what, you know, the references I've heard, he's just been stoking it. He's just been, you know, basically not, not talking so much about, you know, what he plans to do to, to make it better. Although, you know, it's not like he's not doing stuff. So we are locked down and, you know, and there's, there's heightened testing and stuff, but I mean, as far as I can tell, at least from what I'm hearing from other people, you know, he's just really talking about, he's using it as a political, as a political point, you know, and he's really pushing that. Now, I, I, the thing is that he's getting, he's getting a lot of criticism because, you know, it started late here. As I said, it was gray, for a long time. So it was a little suspicious of nobody was ill here when we were so close to Italy and people had traveled. In fact, <clears throat> in fact, I'm a little worried myself because um, in, at, at the end of January, me and, and our family had, we had an illness and so we had just come back from Italy. You know, we'd gone there for Christmas time and you know, my mother, my, my wife was like, no, no, it's too late. But I still have this inkling feeling that, you know, I could have been ill and because I, I did get ill, but I don't, you know, it was a very strange fever and it was something very strange. And that's why I started saying, hmm, you know, I was in Italy, but I was in Rome though. So it could just be something else. But, um, you know, at that time I would have imagined that there was, that there was, uh, uh, people infected here. 
And yet it looks like nobody was doing any testing anywhere. There was not even any question about it. And then, and then after I saw that it had hit the States, then I finally saw a sign on a bus stop, like, Hey, you know, like, you know, don't touch people and et cetera. And that was the first inclination that I knew that something was happening here, but it was very late there. And, and I think that was maybe end of February, you know, it was, it was, it was really, really late, suspiciously late. So I think he, I, now I don't know what he's doing, but, but I think at the very beginning he stoked it because he assumed there weren't going to be that many cases here. So, you know, I think that's why I heard all that stuff. Now I'm, I assume he's speaking a different, um, giving a different message, but I mean, I haven't watched Trump. I mean, is Trump sane now? Is he, is he saying something that's, you know, reasonable at this point? No, of course not, dude. <laughs> Give me a break. He's not... Orban's not either then. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so are you concerned about healthcare? Are you concerned about ventilators, about respirators, about having access to masks, about having a- access to gloves, like all the things that people are concerned about here in the United States? Yeah, yeah, because I don't have access to that stuff. So, you know, we're, uh, and, and it, that stuff has definitely sold out. Um, and there's there's talk about where it is, but at the same time, somehow I, I'm not as I'm not as fearful as it appears that it, when I see when I see people talk about it in the states or my family, they seem more fearful than I am. So I'm not totally concerned that you know I'm going to get ill or whatever. But I'm starting to think you know I should probably start wearing a mask or whatever. But as far as whether I think I can have access to it and whether I go to a hospital and they're going to have the proper equipment at this point. I'm still kind of hoping that because I haven't heard any reports yet. So I'm still kind of hoping that, you know, of course I don't get sick, but if we do, then, you know, I'm still positive that it's going to be okay. <laughs> you know, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm trying to look on the bright side if I can. So, and I haven't heard any, I haven't heard anyone saying how, how terrible the situation here is yet. So is your kid going crazy? Like Alex's kids going crazy by not being able to go outside. Yeah, my my kid is saying um, no. He's now he was okay. He's, you know, we're kind of an in family. We, we in fact we work at home, so this hasn't changed us too much. But for him, he's pretty pissed off that you know, uh, school is school because you know he's autistic. So you have rules, and there's school is school, and home is home, and this is not supposed to be school. So every time he has to sit in front because we're doing it on Facebook, so he has to have a lesson, and they you know, talks to his teacher and he just doesn't want to do it because he's pissed off that, yeah, I'm in my home. So, you know, I should not be doing school here. (laughs) And so, yeah, yeah. So, so that's, and that, you know, that's kind of disrupted us. So that's the main thing we're dealing with now, but staying in, I haven't had too much issue with that, but, you know, I realize now that I had gone out way more than I realized, you know, because I was teaching people out in the outside and stuff like that. So, now I'm feeling it a bit like, oh, you know, I, haven't been, I just go to the store and like I said, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding zombies somehow. So, you know, it's like at any current zombie land movie comes in my mind every time I go to the store. So, you know. so BBC News also, but, but you know, uh, uh, Todd, uh, BBC News also reported that the leader of the opposition Jobbik party, Peter Jakob, said that the law placed the whole of Hungarian democracy in quarantine. This is the law that increases the powers of Viktor Orban's government. But isn't that yeah. opposition, and <laughs> Jobbik is an opposition that is to the right of Orban, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, but you know, Yogi Toe, so basically they, for a couple of years, they tried to court Fidesz, and Fidesz was courting them to get the votes. But then uh, when they were elected, they, they jettisoned them. So they, they basically said, yeah, you guys are too far. We don't want nothing to do with you. So now Yogi, <laughs> the, the, the far right party, this happened, you know, and this was during like the last couple of times there was elections, like for the elections for the city and stuff. There was an uneasy coalition somehow including Yobik with the left parties. Not they weren't exactly making a full coalition, but it was just kind of, you know, let's get him out. That that kind of thing. And and it worked in like in a couple of cities, but I mean they still they still hold power. And now I think that the the, the way the thing has changed now, I'm, I'm guessing that uh elections are gonna be different in the future. So, you know, so I, I suppose that this will this will last a while longer. But yeah, I mean you're talking about like so Yobik on the right, they're just, it, it's all politics in my mind. They, they, they really are just trying to like now say, oh, these guys are totally wrong. But they were in bed with them before. So it's, it's you know, they're just kind of, I think, angry that they were jettisoned by the party. So, I mean, I don't think it's, they, yeah, they're criticized. But, but keep in mind, I don't think Yobik has any power now, really. So, and I think that's kind of why uh, the, the main party left them. Yeah, I just think it's funny that the only opposition that's happening within you would hope that there'd be some sort of left wing kind of alternative in Hungary, yeah, but as you, you know, as I you've mean, explained to us numerous times, there isn't. Yeah, they're totally disjointed still. I mean, you know, there's a lot of and there's a lot of apathy. There's a lot of apathy. I think that's so. You know, when you talk about like, uh, you know, how did people feel like? So, so this whole dictatorship thing is all over the net, right? You guys see every, everyone's making videos about it, but I really honestly think a lot of the left here are just like, yeah, well, nothing new, <laughs> you know? So that I think apathy has totally set in. And now, I mean, now you can't go out to protest anyway, so maybe, you know, so, so probably, so probably this will, you know, be forgotten by the summertime. That's the shameful part of it, actually. The BBC also reports that the special powers have no time limit, and critics say independent journalists could face jail. How critical is the press of Orban? Has Orban already called the press fake news? Yeah, yeah. Plus, okay, so, and I've also mentioned this a couple of times, he's, he's essentially locked up the, 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 the media sphere. So, so now with, so basically this, 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 um, this decree thing with no time limit was basically about not spreading false information about the coronavirus, right? So, so that's, and that's, that's a code word for, you know, not criticizing the government, right? So you can't criticize the government. Now it's funny because one of my students said to me, you know, I cannot believe that people don't do anything when they read all these articles about, you know, the exposés on what the government's doing and what he said here and what he said there, et cetera, you know, in my, from my view, I have to ask, you know, I'm surprised that, you know, these, these um, journalists are not in jail, right? Cause they're not yet. And that's the thing. So people are writing, there is still some sort of, you know, uh, non-government controlled media. It's, but it's kind of forgotten. And, you know, the majority of people who, who are behind Fidesz don't read it. So it's a smaller group of people, but it is there. And, you know, they're not, they're not in jail or, or worse even, you know, uh, executing people or whatever. So um, it's a question about whether that's what he's going to do now. And I suspect no, because I don't think he needs to. 
um, the fact the fact that what my student just said I think is is a fair one that that they probably take into consideration that you know those articles are you can call yourself a free society still if you want to because the articles are there you can read as much as you want there's no I mean he can say there's no censorship or whatever which is not true but he could still say that and ultimately there is no action taken by by the people or or there's no uh, a gelling of a coalition on the left or, or some charismatic um, political leader rising up. I mean, it just, you know, we're 10 years on. We are 10 years on in this and just, you know, business as usual. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I think it's going to roll on. And I think, I think essentially, um, I don't know, maybe we need to, I've said this before too, but maybe we need a, a, a charismatic leader because it just seems like the left, can't really gel. I mean, you see it with Jovic. I mean, you're seeing that as the, the only opposition, you know? So there you go. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this will change everything. Who knows? Yeah, we'll find out. But, but I, no, I should also, yeah, I should also say this. One of the things that someone pointed out to me too is that a lot of uh, intellectuals and, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, let's say intellectuals who might have been the people who would lead these kinds of um, actions left the country. So there's, there's a, there's an idea that a lot of the, you know, the people who could, who would maybe do something are, are now somewhere else. So that's a, that's a sense of it as well, but you know, maybe the, the right people are not here. Do you think the closing of the central European university then has an impact on what's happening on the left within Hungary? When I said that, I was thinking exactly of that. I, I think it might, I think it might, you know, that, those people because they went to Austria. So um, I don't know how much. I don't know how much because I think that will take time to know. You know how many graduates don't. You know each year who don't come into the society and rather stay in Western Europe or whatever. But I suspect could have some degree of of, of uh, effect. I, I, you know, I mean it was a place where kind. You know where liberal liberal ideas are are are, are um, championed. You know and you know, there's not too many other places because there's, you know, the universities are controlled. You can imagine. So who's a professor? Who's not? I mean, a lot of this. I recently read, or actually saw the video. So I haven't read the book yet. But you know, the rulers, rules for rulers. I don't know if you've seen that video, but it's really fantastic. And it's about dictatorships. And and I think Orban fits one of the ones where, you know, you 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 pay your friends to to help you stay in power, and that's very much what happens here. So. It's all about, like, if you want to be a, a professor or you want to run this business or whatever, you know, you have to be connected, and that's it. You're either connected or you're out. And that's kind of what, again, what people used to say was the way that communism worked. And this is, you know, I've mentioned before that people have said, you know, Orban's acting in a way that's very communist-like. And here's another step towards it where, you know, you, you take over the full power, basically. But you have to keep in mind that, Kadar Janos, who was the who was the leader during the communist period, I mean that guy was in power for 32 years. So and there's still people alive who remember him. So you know maybe it's not new to some people. Right? Todd, it's always great to hear your voice. It's going to be far sooner than 14 months before we hear from you again. I'm going to want to talk to you in the very near future. Yeah, so get I can't believe it's been that long. I know it's been far too hey, long. Chuck, Chuck. Yeah. Yeah, I want to ask you, what, you know, how do I get a mug? I want a mug, a coffee mug. <laughs> we'll send one to you. It's the metal one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I totally want one of those. All right. T-shirt, too, if you could tell I tell you, this is what we're going to do. Cause <laughs> you've been, Dude, you've been working on the show forever, so we'll send you a whole gift package as, as soon as possible. 
Oh, thank you, my friend. All right, thank well, you. hold. Let me hold. Right, wait, I got two. I got two questions for oh, you. Sorry. What's the uh, t-shirt size you take, and what's your uh, wife's t-shirt size? Oh, uh, I'm a large, and she's a. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Let me ask. <laughs> I knew you were about to say medium, and you were like, "Shit, if I say medium, she'll get mad at me." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Umbretta, what's your t-shirt size? Yeah, medium. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'll take a large and, and she's a medium. Yeah, I'm kind of getting fat now. All right, dude. I'll send them to you because you need a This Is Hell shirt <laughs> All right, under the calling. virus. Man. Take it easy. All right. Stay safe. Yeah, Stay beautiful. Too. You too. Take right, care. Ciao, ciao. Todd Williams is an African-American from Sacramento, California, who has lived in Budapest, Hungary since 1992, mostly by accident and mostly by chance and he's been reporting to us since i think 2000 on this show so always great to get back in touch with todd wow holy cow keeping it real real deep in debt since 1996 this is hell we'll tell you what's happening on tomorrow's patreon podcast exclusively for listeners who support this is hell in a moment as well as have the moment of truth this week's hangover cure and what's happening on the show next week during this week's moment of truth uh, contributor jeff dorchin remembers existential crises in the good old days, I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap-toothed radio show podcast live stream host Chuck Mertz. Producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. This week's question from hell is, what are you wiping down? What are you wiping down? The person with our favorite answer to this week's question wins five This Is Hell advertising stickers so you too can subvert outdoor advertising with the words This Is Hell. You can leave your answer to this week's question from hell at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thisishellradio. Tweet it to us at Twitter, at thisishellradio. You can email it to us at chuck at thisishell.com or alex at thisishell.com. You can post your response on Instagram at thisishellradio as well. You can find the This Is Hell advertising stickers at our website, thisishell.com, when you click on support, which is where you can find all our swag, the kind of stuff that we're going to be sending to Todd this week, including trucker cap, t-shirt, tote bag, coffee mugs, and the This Is Hell guide to the 21st century flash drive. Alex, do you have any more of our listeners' answers to this week's question? Yeah, one thing I've learned in my life is that people's wives really love to be asked what size T-shirt they are live (laughs) on the radio. I'm sure she loved that. Eric T. says, so, what you wiping down? What you wiping down? Eric T. says, every single grape before I eat it. (laughs) Austin RM. says, considering that my honeybees don't care about COVID-19, my bee veil because it touches my face all the time. They look good, too. The bees? No, the bee oh, the value. That's uh, fine. Scott S says all the Big Macs being delivered to 1600 Pennsylvania Ave with this Kleenex I saw used by someone I saw dry coughing at the grocery store. <laughs> Disgusting. What you wiping down? What you wiping down? Shane M says I need to wipe my wipes, which is not only a lament but an awesome surf rock tune. Rock Taster says spittoons at a bowling alley. Uh, Fred B says what am I not? Uh. uh the Dems have the coronation virus, says my sense of self. Oh, sorry, I read dressing down. Uh, La Acera says D's, which I'll lump in with the Bofa. I'm not. I'm not playing the game there. I I've know got, what you're trying to say. I have information about Bofa that you are not going to believe. I'll tell you that later. <laughs> and then uh, finally, uh, via Instagram, our old friend uh, Wrangler Steve said. My organic coffee filters, which also serve as face masks when leaving the biological bunker. On Patreon this week, I will distract you from all of this coronavirus nightmare with not one, not two, but three nightmares of my own. And those would be the not one, not two, but three times I had run-ins with U.S. and or Canadian customs at the border. 
These stories have everything. There's interrogations, searches, drugs, booze, mules, old ladies. These stories have everything. And I just remembered a fourth story about crossing the border with contraband that I have definitely never shared on the air or maybe anywhere. So tomorrow on Patreon, I will come clean about my problems with international trade and the informal economy. Alex, what's the interview you have pulled from the archives to play on tomorrow's Patreon podcast? Uh, we're going to go with a December 15th, 2000 interview, uh, 2007 interview with Jamie Lionette, who is a contributor to the book Manifestos in the Future of Food and Seed. And uh, he wrote a piece called uh, We Are What We Eat, and it's all about uh, food and seed and the nature of agriculture going forward. Uh, that's, I think, Vadana Shiva was part of that book, too, uh, who actually has a book out uh, last month, this month, that yeah, I'm trying month. to get her on, too. So, uh, yeah, it's like if you're uh, out there gardening, this will be a good one for you. Yeah. Or uh, if you need to eat food, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, if you want to know something about how uh, agriculture works. But you can only hear that if you subscribe to Completely Listener Supported This Is Hell on Patreon at patreon.com slash thisishell. And we need more and more of you to be subscribing. You can also show your support for This Is Hell by going to thisishell.com and clicking on support where you can see all the ways you can help out This Is Hell, including all of our merch. Coming up during the Moment of Truth, contributor Jeff Dorchin remembers existential crises in the good old days. We'll also have the question from Mel Winner and who is on next week's shows. And before I forget, do not, do not forget, tip your bartender. Now, how can you tip your bartender in these days? You can go to GoFundMe and search on Carrie's Lounge, C-A-R-Y-S, Carrie's Lounge. And they are doing a fundraiser for the bartenders at Carrie's Lounge downstairs while it is closed. If you come by for office hours, this is hell office hours, please show your support for Carrie's Lounge's bartenders by going to the GoFundMe account and showing your support. Tipping your bartender. And they desperately need your tips right now. Keep in mind, a lot of the questions I asked this week were written while I was high. This is hell. I know you have. Have on the line. One, two, you know what to do. Existence and other disposable items. That's existence and other disposable items. Welcome to the moment of truth. The thirst that is the drink. I know a lot of you are too young to remember this, but there was a long time, approximately from the end of World War I until approximately the mid-90s, when the phrase existential crisis meant a crisis about why you existed, not whether existence itself was going to continue at all. Sure, there were a lot of books and movies about calamitous wars. Tom Lehrer and Randy Newman, among others, wrote songs about nuclear devastation. But it was all in good fun. And it served to highlight the apparent meaninglessness of it all, which in turn led to ruminations on what the purpose of life might be. Life under the dome of the threat of annihilation was kind of thrilling. And existentialism particularly the post-war type of Camus and Sartre, was liberating. Or, in theory, it was liberating. Absurdism fed our agnostic adolescent nihilism. Ionesco, Dernmott, Frisch, et al. unrolled the blueprints behind social...
cruelties. Kafka taught us we were trapped in an absurd bureaucratic labyrinth. Beckett taught us life was silly, brutish, and short, which was also my nickname. And Camus and Sartre challenged us to, I don't know, to discover as much purpose as they must have drawn on in order to get their damn books written. And gradually we moved into, or perhaps returned to, exploring the literature, art, and thought leading to, or tangential to, or intersecting with these movements, and assimilated them into the constantly shuffling tarot called postmodernism, which was an aesthetic as much as a cultural description. We dreamed up crazy books, movies, TV shows, and plays, and many of us went on to create them, and a lucky few even to sell them. It was a lively intellectual society, and when you had an existential crisis, it was the topic of entertaining gossip, even, or maybe especially, if it led to suicide. But the brazen destroyers, rather than the subtle ones, have returned to power after a century of a certain politesse reigning at least where most white people lived. Their trappings of gentility were undoubtedly subsidized by their GDPs, which in turn drew on wealth they continued to reap from their formerly official, now unofficial colonies. Of course, it couldn't last. Nothing lasts. So many things seem about to come to an end in a far more convincing fashion than the very fashionable fashion that sparked the movie Dr. Strangelove. Global warming is palpable, Donald Trump's trampling of the Constitution, which decades of abuse had already raped and rolled into the gutter for him, threatens to tip us past the tipping point away from any semblance of democracy, the end of the Enlightenment, the end of imagined progress in human rights, the end of capitalism, the end of work, the end of childhood, the end of dearly held assumptions, the end of white Western hegemony, and with it, prosperity for the white and the Western, it all threatens to collapse at any moment like an Indonesian apartment building in an earthquake. In other words, the personal nervous breakdown has come to be writ large as societal, economic, political, geopolitical, and environmental breakdowns. I don't know about you, but I'm having trouble with the transition. At this apocalyptic time, I turn for comfort to memories of more innocent days, just as I would seek shelter in a hurricane. Any shelter will have to do, even Plato's cave. And Plato's cave is no Plato's retreat. I'm never comfortable there, with nothing to do but watch shadows on the wall. And it's a cave! There aren't even any folding chairs, let alone a sofa. Not even a Flintstone sofa. A nice mid-century modern with a sunken living room would be preferable. But trying to muster up the good, old-fashioned existential angst I learned at the feet of Kierkegaard is no easy task. I'd prefer to be moping over man's relationship with a god who has retreated into non-existence rather than be interrogated by Job. But our idiot president might declare himself emperor of the Americas, cancel the elections, and kill millions with his buffoonish miming of leadership. I try to feel nausea and emptiness as I ponder what it could mean to exercise free will in a society where an individual's role is a niche hollowed out for them before they were born by the mummified architects of a moral edifice now weathered by centuries, only the floor plan of which remains in our reflexes, a floor plan we adhere to blindly as we grope our way from room to imaginary room by pure Pavlovian memory. But I keep worrying about running out of toilet paper. I'd even be satisfied to laugh a hollow, 
sardonic chuckle as I ascend the gallows, ready to be hanged in exchange for the immortality of our illusory idols. But I'm afraid I'll accidentally pick up the virus from the handrail, and it's all I can do to focus on not rubbing my itchy eye. I'll tell ya. You kids who've been raised with the realistic expectation that the world of Mad Max Fury Road is only a few months away, I envy you. You're not here in the shadows with us, drooling and farting about the meaning of life, cracking jokes about women giving birth astride a grave, playing chess with the angel of death, as if. You're out there in the broiling sun, watching the flowers turn from brown to black to ashes, watching the last of the giraffes die, watching all the drinking water evaporate as coastal cities are submerged in the ocean, riding your hoverboard over a cliff, gesturing casually with your vape pen as you shout, Yeah, old man, I know it's a cliff. You're the one who brought us here. I know all about it. I know all about how I'll smash on the rocks below, maybe even be impaled on some exposed rebar. Tell me something I don't know. And off and over you go, disappearing in a cloud of sour apple-flavored vapor. You kids don't know how good you have it. This has been the moment of truth. Good day. Hey, so uh, I talked to my sister. She So she was in Italy right before the outbreak happened. She would have been stuck in Italy, except she's a biologist and she saw what was happening. So she got out of Dodge really quick. So she had to spend some extra money and she got back to northern Michigan where she lives. The pers- A person who she knows who, uh, when she was visiting in Sicily, was from San Francisco. She gets stuck in Italy. She didn't get out in time, and so Mm. she had to stay in country until 10 days ago. Behind a spaghetti curtain. Bringing this story up to you because you're in L.A., and there has been a pretty big outbreak in San Francisco and in L.A. as well. Uh, So she's from San Francisco. She lands in San Francisco just back from Italy. This is only 10 days ago. She was asked a couple of questions, nothing about her health. (laughs) They didn't do any kind of examination. They didn't check her temperature, and they just sent her on her way. Yeah, well, you know, got to get got to get into the population. Got to get it spread around. Spread it around. They didn't Pass tell along. they didn't tell her anything about how maybe you it's should self-quarantine. They didn't tell her anything. I don't understand cuz so 10 days ago. I I don't know, you know, it all seems like one big day to me, so I don't <laughs> I remember when the governor said everybody's inside, no non-essential movement, don't go visit your friends and lollygag and have a party. Uh, which I almost did a few days ago, but then I was like, you know, I wasn't at, it wasn't a party. I was going to sit in my friend's backyard, like 12 feet away from her while we ate bratwurst. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds very erotic. (laughs) You know, that's why I almost went. But then I was like, eh, I don't know, I'm going to skip it. I don't want to get arrested again. (laughs) I'm tired of that. I'm not allowed to. All right, Jeffy. I want. Are you guys? Did you answer? You know, I I sent I sent you guys an, an email. How 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 late in the day do you put on pants? <laughs> I put on pants as soon as I leave the house. Uh, <laughs> I don't leave the house. See, I, I I might go for two days without putting pants on. <laughs> There's no reason for you to put pants on. It's all I can do to muster the self-respected like. I don't know. Unless you have like, unless you have like clear plastic furniture, 
I don't see a reason why you have to put pants on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. There is no reason. <laughs> There's no reason. This really makes clear the uh, the uh, the dictum. There's no reason for anything. Yes. Well, thank you. And on that note, Jeffy. <laughs> yes. Stay beautiful. Oh, okay. Live from land stolen from the Potawatomi people, this is Hell. I'm your bitter, blind, broke, gap-toothed host, Chuck Mertz, producing this week's show is Alex Jerry. This week's question from Hell is, what are you wiping down? What are you wiping down? The person with our favorite answer is getting five This Is Hell advertising stickers, so you can subvert outdoor advertising with the words, this is hell. Alex, do you have the rest of the answers to this week's question? Uh, I'm f 5 in, but I believe that was all of them. My answer to this week's question from Hell is... What are you wiping down? What are you wiping down? So Alex writes the question, Mel, and I generally don't want to know what it is until you all find out because I want to play along with you. So when Alex asked this week's question again, what are you wiping down? I told myself that the next thing I wipe down will be my answer. Short time later, the mail came here at the office, and as we sometimes do, we received magazines that are either people who never lived here People who lived here years ago, and we have no idea of how to contact them, or a neighbor who bought all sorts of subscriptions to some kids for some kids' fundraisers without any intent on ever reading any of the magazines at all. He gets Men's Journal, which is awful, and I've seen him throw it directly in the trash. Outside magazine, magazine, which is unbearable, and he gets Bassmaster, which I'm pretty sure, or Bassmaster. See, I already screwed up the joke. He gets the magazine Bassmaster, which he may have mistaken as a magazine for bass players called Bassmaster. So what I'm doing, what am I wiping down? I'm wiping down somebody else's copy of this week's Sports Illustrated, because I don't think I've read Sports Illustrated in about 20 years, and why not under a virus? The answers I liked the most this week were Adeline, I did like how you said you were wiping down TP, Dennis saying beer cans, all the beer cans, Joshua saying that he'd wipe down the rich with my cough, I'm more likely to find out their last result or their test result, then get one myself. Mark saying, my rose-colored glasses, they have blood on them. Nathaniel saying, knives, a little too lovingly. Lisa saying, my core values, that's what she's wiping down. Listeners really liked Figman saying, I'm wiping down the door handles of of cop cars with LSD as they look bored with the crime rate going down during this quarantine. And as I was saying earlier, Andrew said Bofa, but Bofa has BOFA these definitions. A slang shortening of both of, as in testicles, BOFA these nuts, but it is also defined as the first stage of a verbally transmitted disease, usually non-fatal and asymptomatic, however. Once it progresses to stage two, ligma, it is extremely dangerous. So I'm not sure which definition Andrew meant, but if he meant both, that is definitely the best answer to this week's question from hell. Alex, do you have any favorites for this week's question from hell? Oh, uh, yeah. I liked uh, Steve C's The UPS Guy. <laughs> that was really good, too. And I didn't even add that to my That's, list. That's uh, your call. Yeah. No, give it to the UPS. Steve C is saying The UPS Guy. The UPS Guy, Steve, you are the winner of... Five, this is hell advertising stickers, so you too can subvert outdoor advertising with the words, this is hell. You can find those, this is hell advertising stickers, at our website, thisishell.com. When you click on support with all of our swag is also listed there. Alex, who is on the show next week, starting with Monday's live streaming show at 10 a.m. Chicago time at thisishell.com. Nobody.
What? Yet. Nope. Nobody, nobody yet? yet. I got a lot of requests out and I got not a lot of replies back. So I'm still working on it. Uh, we'll have a show. All right. People, we'll talk to people. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm working on it and I'll update people as we get to come in. If we could have a guest by tomorrow morning, that would be really yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I'm working on it. Uh, anybody at all next week? Do we have Doug? Uh, no. Not <laughs> not, I, not I, 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 get some, I got some books for midweek, but I'm still working on that Monday slot. Uh, I got some people who we don't think are going to get back to us, so I wrote first. Then I'm going to write to some people who I think we will get back to us probably when I get home. Yeah, I mean, because we could get Mike Davis, George Monbio, We could get Kianga Yamada-Taylor. They were all writing really great stuff about what's happening with uh, COVID virus. And uh, there are some other people on that list, too. So, yeah, we'll talk. We'll find out. We'll share that with you online as soon as we find out who is going to be on next week's shows. Thanks to this week's guest, Professor of Women and Gender Studies at Arizona State University, Brianne Foz, editor of the collection. Burn It Down, fem- Feminist Manifestos for the Revolution. Find out more about Brianne at com. Thanks to economist Eileen Applebaum, co-author of the Center for Economic Policy and uh, Research Report, the U.S. response to COVID-19, what's in federal legislation and what's not but still needed. You can find out more about that report by going to CEPR.net. Thanks to historian Andrew Liu, who wrote the N Plus One magazine article, Chinese Virus World Market. You can find that article at nplusonemag.com. Andy is currently writing a book with the working title T-War, History of Capitalism in China and India. This week's Hangover Cure is the Rochester, New York favorite, the Garbage Plate, which consists of two cheeseburger patties drenched in meat sauce on top of home fries and macaroni salad topped with onions, ketchup, and mustard. Baked beans are also an option, and that's disgusting. Talk to you tomorrow on Patreon. Hope to see all of you sometime in the future at This Is Hell Office Hours. Maybe Alex is just suggesting we do some kind of virtual office hours. Maybe we'll work on something like that. I'm your Bitter, Blind, Broke, Gap Tooth Radio Show podcast live stream host, Chuck Mertz, producing Alex Jerry. As always, we could not do the show without Alex, without Jeff Dorchin doing the moment of truth. Ronaldo Magaldi helping us out with the, with Rotten History and Theron Humiston and all of the work he does behind the scenes. There's only one way to get over all of the problems that we've introduced to you on this morning's show. That's by sitting down in the lotus position, turning your palms towards the sky, focusing on that burning white dot in the middle of your forehead, and saying these simple words, Everybody's stupid. My demon is on my butt. <laughs> my demon talks to me in profanity like a seller. And my demon tries to knock me down. And my demon tries to put me on a hell ride.